Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. All right, y'all, you have your Bible, say yeah. Yeah. You have your Bible uh, in, in paper form, say, I'm going to heaven. If you have your Bible on the phone, say, please pray for me. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the story of God's great and mighty work through the first century church and those designed by him to expand the gospel's reach in the world. Acts chapter one. I'm going to read just three verses for you today. We're going to jump around a little bit from John and a few other passages in Acts to help with our time together. But Acts chapter one, I'm going to read verses six, seven, and eight. Acts one, six, seven, and eight. It reads like this. So when they had come together and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he, that's Jesus, said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. The title of our message today is Authority. Authority, or, um, or to make it uh, more fun, the subtitle of our message today is, Please Let Me Introduce My Dear Friend, Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new to this church, before we pray, let me address an elephant in the room, our tiny elephants. If you've never been to Beacon before, and you're like, is it me, or can I hear an entire middle school, elementary school worth of children? <laughs> it's not just you. If you look behind you, you'll see on that wall is a wall in the balcony. That wasn't there this morning when we get there. Every morning, Justin's team comes and creates a soundproof wall. And in that balcony is where our kids ministry is. And it's just the way that we get to do church here in this facility. And what it means is that during the course of my message, you may hear children hooting and hollering, please don't let your pastor hear them over you. Amen. Because sometimes I'm like, am I preaching? And Spark's like, hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, thanks so much for our time together today. Thanks for this word. And thank you that you brought us here. Connect the two. May your word wash over us, wash us inside and out, transform us, and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in a series topical series, talking about spiritual maturity. I wanted to title the whole series, Grow Up, but I felt like that was a little rough. <laughs> but the message is the same. If we're going to do anything together as a body of believers, scratch that. If you ever want to do something mighty for the Lord, you got to get off spiritual milk yeah. and start living like a grown up. Amen? Yeah. 
And so what we did over the last two weeks is talk about some of the components of what it looks like to be a mature believer. The first thing we talked about, you remember, we looked at Psalm 51, David and God having a conversation and David is demonstrating for us what it really means to be responsible for our sin. No longer faking it or pretending to the public that we're good, but in private hiding sin or letting sin take root or just ignoring it, but really bringing it to the forefront that we might be responsible. Last week, we talked about integrity. And integrity for us was a conversation about making your faith public, walking it out, demonstrating it in every area of your life. Something I said last week that seemed to resonate is that true spiritual integrity is when private you and public you are the same you. Amen. And adding those two things together, we align today, we arrive today at a conversation about authority or something that we say in the Christian circles, which is power. You ever hear that? If you come from a more charismatic background, power is how they'll say it sometimes. All that sweat. I got invited to speak at a, at a, at a more charismatic church one time in Texas. And uh, the man who invited me uh, also introduced me. And in charismatic circles, there is no time limit on church. Amen. So you show up and we're done when God says we're done. Amen. And he went to introduce me and he spent, I don't know, probably 45 minutes on the introduction. And when he handed me that microphone, he'd been sweating and spitting and breathing into that microphone for 45 minutes. And he handed it to me and I was like, I'm good. I don't need to preach anymore. We're all right. There was something exciting about that, but I just, I just wasn't very comfortable with the power like that. So we have one of these microphones, so it's not like that. What is power? What does it mean to have power? It's all throughout the text. And people say it all the time, but I don't, I don't think any of us really know what it means to have power. I think every one of us, though, knows what it means to feel powerless. You ever been stuck? Stuck in a relationship? Stuck in a job? Stuck in a way of thinking? You ever been confronted with the fact that you're stuck? You're in an argument, you're having a conversation with somebody and they point out a character flaw in you that you know that you have that you can't get rid of? And your response is to, you know, like, no, you. You know how that is, right? (laughs) When you're stuck, sometimes you're just plain stuck, like boots in the mud, can't get out. And that's what it means to really be powerless. And the truth is, is that if you're Christian for long enough, by God's great grace, he will show you just where you are powerless. That's one of the most beautiful things about God is that he's continually revealing the flaws of your onion. Here you are. Oh, that's terrible. I know, but we're going to work on it. Ah, here you are. Oh, no way. I thought that was everybody else. No, it's you. And piece by piece, God begins the process of convicting, of renewing, restoring, and changing us to become more like him. That is what I think is what has happened over the last two weeks when talking about being responsible for our sin, talking about being public with our faith, is that God is using areas where we were previously powerless 
to bring us into a place of power. Now make no mistake, hear me, hear me loud and clear. You will not, cannot, I just simply don't believe in the concept that you can have spiritual Holy Ghost power, supernatural power in your life if you are not absolutely aligned with God in some fashion, amen? I wanna tell you this today. If you think you can run the streets like a dirty dog and also lay hands on people, you are dead wrong, amen? And if you think you get to join the prayer team, guess what? No. No. Because here's the deal. If you really want to be used by God to great effect, you need to be changed by God to great effect. He does not deploy soldiers who have not been trained. Now, you said, well, wait a minute. I thought they always say he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yes, indeed. But first things first, you got to hit your knees and get right at the heart. Now, I'm not talking about skill sets in ministry. I'm talking about right heart, repentant heart, honest, a wretched man that I am. I need you and you alone. That's where we start. And that's where power begins. And in this conversation today, I want to show you something that I think builds on that and is a beautiful picture of Jesus talking to his disciples, his apostles, and explaining to them what power is, what it's for, and how it comes about. I think it's absolutely vital for each and every one of us here to leave today going, I know there's power and I have access to it. And if you really lean in, you leave today, you'll be walking in it. Amen? Now, I haven't warned the businesses on Colfax yet. <laughs> but I want you to walk in to get breakfast. <laughs> Give us a table. No, that's not what we're talking about. I want to show you some. Three ideas today, very quickly. I don't have a ton in my notes. We're going to primarily let the Lord lead us today. But there's three things that you need to see in this scripture, just these three verses, okay? The way that we arrive at power comes in three fashions. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's this. We come together, okay? Number one, we come together. Number two, we come under, under authority, under. And number three, we come out. That is how power and spiritual authority take effect, or better yet, affect change in the world around us. Amen? Now, you cannot have any one of these working independently. This is a recipe for spiritual power. And you say, Pastor, I don't get it. Why do I need spiritual power? Here's why you need it. Because apart from God, you can do nothing. Apart from God, you are left to finite you which means that the addiction that you face is a battle you fight alone. And so when you stand up to alcoholism or a porn addiction or workaholism, or you stand up to the fact that you realize you've come to the place, you finally understand that it's you that's the problem in your relationship. Without God, it's still you as the problem. Only without God, you won't have a relationship. Amen. But with God, all things are. That's why you need power. You need God in your life so you can change your life. Oh, I'm preaching a little. I mean, I'm preaching. I'm shouting today. Give me an amen, Spark. No, I'm playing. Wouldn't that blow you away if they're like, hallelujah. Jesus says this. In John 15, he hints at it. I want to show you something. In John 15, 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, um, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, 
He who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is, is talking in the text that we have here today, but he's been hinting at this conversation from before. There's been this thing that Jesus has been doing with the disciples. And if you read your Bible, you'll understand very keenly how foolish the disciples have been. On and on again, he talks about his mission, his death, his resurrection. And he starts mentioning the Holy Spirit. And I love the disciples because they're just like most of us. They're like Keystone cops. They literally have no idea what's happening at any moment. And he hints, he says, there's a helper coming. There's someone coming to give you what you need when I depart. And what's really cool about that conversation from John 15 is that when he's talking to them, they're with him together because they've come together. And in Acts chapter one, they've gathered together. And I want to just start this whole conversation by talking about coming together. Here's the deal. There is no such thing as a rogue Christian. Amen. 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 There are no desperados in the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. You cannot be a dismembered part of the body and think you can function. Hear me. You were made for us. When I say this, I'll say it like this. You were made for the body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, for community. But I like to put a little intimate skin on it. You were made for us. Let me just look you dead in the face. You were made for me. I need you. I need you to function. I cannot operate in my gifting or my power lest I'm surrounded by people who agree and will come alongside me to push me, hold me accountable, and lift me up. And the same is true for you. You wonder why you deal with the same issues over and over again. It's because you ain't got nobody to help you. You've been fighting the same fight, arguing the same arguments, living in the same struggle day in and day out. And then every time someone comes along who's been sent by God to love you, lift you, encourage you, and hold you accountable, you push them away because you say, I got this. Guess what? Say it. You ain't got this. And at some point, you will realize that. In addiction, we call that bottom. They say one day they'll hit rock bottom. Amen. And everybody's rock bottom is different. I went to rehab 12 years ago. If you're new to church, this is definitely a part of who we are. So if you're like, did he just say rehab? He didn't eat. I went to treatment uh, for drugs and alcohol addiction, and I met a man there who had his first DUI. And that was it for him. He was like, dude, I mean, I'm, this is bottom. And there was a guy right next to him, and he was like, What? He's like, I've been arrested like a hundred times. He's like, I've been to rehab 12 times. And he still wasn't at bottom. The truth is, at some point, your pride will die and you will realize you don't got this. My prayer is that it happens early after the first infraction. But if I'm being honest, some of us got to fight a little bit. Some of us got a good old fashioned hard head. Amen. And left to your own devices, you will believe your own lies and walk your own path, which will always keep you away from the power of God that you need to change it. Right. Hear me. Your pride is killing you. Wow. But in community, wow. 
your pride dies. Did you know that? Community is one of the places that God chooses to best remove you of the curse of your ego. How do I know? It's when you think you got the juice and you join the worship team and you don't get put on a solo first week. <laughs> Pastor Ty's like, we just want you to learn the songs. And you're like, you ain't heard me yet. <laughs> like, yes, we've heard you. Pride dies in community. Right? Or when you say, Pastor, I'm here and I've got great power and I am ready to do X, Y, and Z. And I say, do you know where we could use you? We need you on the curtain. Yes. Amen. And that's the right response, right? Yes. Wherever the Lord needs me is where I'm going. But I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, I do. Because when they're shorthanded, guess what? I'm on curtain team. <laughs> Amen. Because community is where God kills pride, where he builds forth humility so that you and I can operate not as individual members, but as one fluid body. When I said I need you, what I mean is when you breathe, I breathe. When you move, I move. Just like that. Yes, that's how this works. I'm trying to hit the room. I've been praying this week. I'm telling you what. First things first, God moves in community. How do I know this also? The Holy Spirit is God, yes? yes. Jesus is God, yes? yes? God the Father is God, yes? yes? Three persons, one God. Check it out. Our God is pretty social. Our God is a country club all by himself. He has people around him, no matter which one of him we're talking to. God's a social God. Our faith has always been a communal faith. There is nothing solo about this trip. So stop tripping. <laughs> he moves in community. So what you see here is in verse six, it says, when they came together, then they got a chance collectively to ask him what they wanted to know. We get to know God best when we're together. And then I want you to see something in verse seven. They ask a question. It's a good question. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Strangely enough, these disciples who'd been walking with Jesus, who knew exactly who he was, who had seen him move and heal and deliver and die and rise again, still for some reason thought he was gonna be the king of a nation. And so they asked him, they said, super cool what you did with the whole tomb thing. Um, question, when does Israel get to be the best country in the world? Because did you know that it's still possible for you to get things wrong when you're in community? And that's still okay, right? Here's why that matters. Because in community, you can ask the wrong questions and get the right answers, but on your own, you can ask the wrong questions and get wrong answers and believe they're true. You ever meet somebody that has like weird faith and they read you some book, the, the, the gospel of so-and-so, and you've never heard about it? Or the black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites, don't let me get started on this. Let me tell you, there's a whole body of people who have been reading the wrong scriptures, but they've been separated from community, the broader community of Jesus Christ. And they've come to believe that what they found was divine revelation, was special download that they and only they have. And they're way off the mark. And you can't live like that. So in community, we come together so we can ask even dumb questions and be loved into the right answers. 
And so they ask this question. They say, when, when do we get to be the rulers of the earth? And Jesus answers so gently, so wonderfully. He says this in verse seven. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has affixed by his authority. Second part of discovering spiritual power in your life is not only that we come together, but that we come under. Oh, if I could teach you one thing this whole year. One thing. It would be this. You need authority over your life. Oh, if I could get this in you. I want, I want to tell you something. I have, it, being a pastor is, uh, it's really hard. And it wasn't hard until this last year. This is the hardest year I've ever had. I took a sabbatical. I took a month off. It's supposed to be a month off. It's the worst month of my life. I was terrible. I couldn't be present for my kids. I couldn't be present with my wife. I just had this weight on me. And the church moved and we saw cool things, but there was just this attack on me. And, and I have mentors in my life that I would lean into and they would correct me. And, and, then, and, then, you know, and then I had critics. And, and if you don't yet have critics... Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But when God uses you to great effect, you will get critics. You will have people who have something to say about you. And early in my journey as a spiritual leader, because it started on day one, even little old Ernest me, I was like five years sober. And I was like, we're going to start a ministry in Jesus. We're going to take the city. That's what we always say when we start. I'm taking the city for Jesus. Every guy, on a path, every guy with a church for 25 years is like, oh, you're taking the city. Sorry, we didn't know. And I was so excited. And within a week, somebody called me a name and said I was foolish, began to criticize me in my earnestness. And early on, I would just discount them all as fools. I had a mentor in my life that said, don't, don't listen to him. He used this phrase. He said, uh, he said, the dog barks at the moon, but the moon doesn't bark back. You ever heard that? That's a fun saying. That is not the gospel. You are not the moon. Weirdos, man. Here's what I learned. <laughs> Was that when you do things for Jesus, people will say negative things about you. And even negative things about you have a kernel of truth. I've come to a place in my life now where I not only crave correction, I have a pastor whom I'm submitted to. I have a coach who I'm submitted to, a spiritual director I'm submitted to, and three other men across the country who are pastors much smarter, stronger, and better than I am. And I bounce ideas off them and they're like, that's a dumb one. And so we don't do that in Jesus' name, amen? I am submitted because I crave correction. I crave to be under authority so that I don't go rogue, amen? But I've also come to a place, and I want to encourage you to get to this place too, where you crave criticism. You don't like that part, do you? No, thank you. I will be the moon. No, you need to crave a little bit of criticism, a little bit of critique, because even the most mean 
spirited critique has a notion, has an inclination, has a critical eye for a part of you that probably should be corrected. The Bible says if we're going to be used in power, we should live above reproach, in good standing with everyone in the church and out of the church, which means you can't be seen as a gospel leader in the church and have a bad reputation out there. Hear me now. We should not know Christian version of you. You should be Christian all the time. And in this moment, Jesus demonstrates the same desire to be under authority. Now, part of this is understanding which critique should have some roots in you and which should slough off, right? You should be able to get to a place, this is the prayer, where you are no longer fearful of man, but willing to listen because everybody's voice matters and willing to pray because every person matters and willing to love even those who don't love you because that's what Jesus would do so that you can be as well informed on how you might demonstrate Jesus through your own life. And so when Jesus is talking to these disciples, he's already died, right? And already risen. Hello, He's about as godlike as he can be. This is it. Because in the next few verses, he goes to heaven on a cloud. And they ask him a question. They say, so is this the big day? And he doesn't say, you fools. I thought I told you to listen to me. I have all power in my hand. He doesn't take this moment to demonstrate his own power. He doesn't abuse it. He doesn't step out. He doesn't puff up. He doesn't get big. He doesn't even win the argument and say, how much do I have to teach you? How hard do I have to try? Why don't y'all get it? He says, it's not really for you guys to know when our father who has authority over me will make all of the decisions because he owns all things and I still serve him. Now that, that's real authority. Here's the deal. I only get to lead a church. Hmm. I only get this job. In the spirit realm, God only keeps me here. Because if my pastor told me to step down tomorrow, you'd have a new pastor on Monday. I'm not here to be in front. I am here to be in back, to serve, to help. And the authority birthed on me to lead is birthed because I'm under authority. So many of you wonder why you don't have any power in your life. It's because no one has permission to speak into your life. God has not given you any power because you resist all power. Someone corrects you, you fight back. Someone has an honest word about it, you bristle. Someone tells you exactly what you need to do with yourself, you argue tooth and nail. And the truth of the matter is, is that when God presents you with people with authority over you to cover you, hold you, lift you up and build you, when you resist, you tell God, I cannot yet be trusted with authority, I'm a child. That's what you say. All I want is rules. I need boundaries. I can't be trusted to be free or to operate and live and move and have my being because as of yet, my pride is still in control. 
Is this okay if I push you a little bit here today? This is what it's about. You want power? Get under power. You want authority? Get under authority. You want to rule? Submit. The way of the kingdom to go up is to go down. That's the only way this works. That's why when we need mopping in this church, I will mop. Why? Because I don't want to be high and lifted up. I want to be low and gentle with Jesus. And he births power there. And so they say, Jesus, are we going to get to rule? And he says, that's not really your concern. It's actually not even my concern. That's for dad to figure out whenever he says it, we'll do it. Amen? Then he says, but you will receive something. Verse 8. He says, you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem here and in all of Judea where our people are and beyond those borders to Samaria where other people are and even to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is doing in this moment is demonstrating not just the recipe to see spiritual power but the outcome of spiritual power. It's like in a cooking show, you know? Do you watch cooking shows? Isn't that a weird social phenomenon? I watch people cook. I don't watch my wife cook. I don't, I don't even watch myself cook. But if a man or woman is on TV cooking, I will watch them cook. And how, I don't know about you, but how much do you love it when they make the cake and they put the cake in the oven and they open the bottom oven and pull out the cake? Do you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that the best? You're just like, yes, I don't even have to wait a commercial break. That sucker's ready to go. <laughs> this is Jesus right here baking a cake for you. He says this, if you really want spiritual power, y'all got to come together. You have to come together. Say it again. You got to be in community. You really want spiritual power. You got to be like me, Jesus, and be under power. And then when you're together, and then when you're submitted, then I'm gonna open the spiritual oven and you will stand up in power. Why? You should ask this. Why would he give us power? Is it so that you can get that job? Is it? No. Is it so you can be rich? No. But do you ever tell yourself the story that you're like, if I could just be rich, then I'd tithe. Do you do that? Sometimes I do that. No. Spiritual power is not so that you can achieve the things of this world. Jesus says, then you will receive power and, it's a conjunctive clause, it's meant to go together. And the picture is this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you to empower you to do the will of the Father. Amen? This is the whole purpose of our conversation today, which is this. Number one, God desires to give you power. Did you know that? He wants you to walk in power, live in power, minister in power. But that power is reciprocal in only as so much that you are called to operate in power and bring people back to the God who is the source of the power. That's the reason for power. 
Now, I want to tell you this today. It is true that if you operate in spiritual power, if you really receive, as we might say in our church, Holy Ghost power, it's true that much of what this world has to throw at you will not defeat you. It will mean that you may operate in a different way. When you walk in on your job, you just might get that promotion. Amen. Because they know there's something better about you. They know there's something different about you. You aren't really phased by the church politics or the work politics or the world's politics. You just kind of live and move and have your being. And there's something different different. It's true that power will give you things in this world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's true, fellas. Ready? You get serious about God and the Holy Spirit stands up in you. You look so handsome. Ladies, tell me if I'm lying. A man who loves Jesus with his whole heart. Just about the best looking fella in the whole room. Right? He could be 6'4", a little stubble, green eyes, dark skin, muscles all over the place, drive a brand new whatever you like. But if he don't love Jesus, when he's standing next to 5'8", kind of hairy, a little bit heavy set, but loves Jesus, well, then you get a wife like this. This is how it works. Amen. Here's the deal. Spiritual power is nothing like what the world has to offer. It changes everything. The Holy Ghost will change you so that you can change the world around you. But the change that you should be seeking after is not a new mate, not a new job, not a better car or a bigger account. It's that the world may know that Jesus is God. That's the push. That's what you should be desiring. Jesus, use me, fill me, touch me, change me. So when I walk out these doors, everyone I meet says, I don't know what's about you, but I got to know more about you. Who is it that you serve? What's this God thing? I used to go to church. I hate church, but I want to be in your church. I want to know Jesus like you know Jesus. That's power. But here's our challenge. In three minutes, okay. Here's our challenge. Most of us don't really understand the person of the Trinity that Jesus is talking about. Here's the picture, okay? There's usually two camps in the church world. There's this camp. This is where I kind of got my calling at. This is charismatic, Pentecostal. It's sweaty over on this part of the church. It's very hot, it's loud. The suits are immaculate, right? You're like, pink? I need a pink suit. Anyway, (laughs) on this side of the church, the relationship with the Holy Spirit is typically explained as such. If we worship enough, if we press in enough, if we mean it enough, then the Holy Spirit will come into the room and descend upon us. You sing these songs. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come fill this place. Flood the atmosphere. Your glory is what we've been looking for. Almost all of our gospel songs paint a picture of the Holy Spirit as a thing who's reluctantly waiting to be invited to walk into the room. Who, who may actually fall like fire or water and who, if you're lucky enough 
You could touch. In, in this world, we recognize that some men and women are filled with the Holy Spirit, or we say they've got the Holy Ghost. Or if you get knocked down in one of those prayer services, or you stand up and you're like, ba 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 ba, you say, I got the Holy Ghost. You go to a real good revival, some people will be shucking and jiving. You ever see this? I was in a revival one time and I couldn't stop moving, it was so weird. We say, I got the Holy Ghost, but everything about the Holy Ghost is about it being an it that we hope will arrive and that will make our experience vital. And then there's this part of the church. Is it cool if we teach this for a second? This part of the, I have to use this prop. (laughs) You're gonna love this. This prop is for this, hey, okay. (laughs) This prop's for this side of the church where the Holy Spirit is a mysterious mentioned being, but anything that makes us sweat or feel or get our head out of this is likely a distraction, is likely demonic, and should be governed as such. In this world, word is king, and our experience with the Lord is primarily academic. I don't need to feel. Don't ask me to raise my hands. I can tell you who comes from this church service because when Pastor Ty says, get up on your feet, they're like, ugh. (laughs) Or he says, put your hands up in the air and they're like this. I'll preach in churches like this and I'll say, if you're at a Broncos game and they score a touchdown, you're on your feet and shouting, why won't you do that for Jesus? And I had a guy stand up after the service and he goes, it's not the same thing. And I said, you're so right. (laughs) He said, I get excited about the Broncos, but I think about God. And there is this camp and they teach doctrine correctly, which is the Holy Spirit is not a thing that might come the Holy Spirit is a person who indwells. But he better not make me do anything I don't like. (laughs) And I want to break it to you. This camp, and this camp, we both got it wrong. That's why at this church I have both props. How funny that worked out. (laughs) That's why in this church we have both. And here's the way that it works. The Holy Spirit is not a the. He's a he. And he's not here. He's everywhere. And when you come in, he's not waiting for you to invite him. He's waiting for you to recognize him. He's not something that you might possess. Ready? He's someone that wishes to possess you, to hold you, to dwell in you, and to change you from the inside out. Now, I've seen it done in church where we've said, who wants to come to the altar and receive the Holy Spirit? You've seen this before? And you're like, I do, but that better not get weird. (laughs) We're going to do something today because we've done it at every part of this service or this series. 
I want to share with you something that's unique about our church. I trained here, and there's so much beauty here. The charismatic movement touches the heart of God. Healings, signs, and wonders, gifts, speaking in tongues, words of prophecy, words of wisdom, they are, hear me, all real. Every one of them. And they're amazing. But we launched a church here because I wanted to make sure that we knew him correctly before we attended parties with him. Amen. I don't want you to have a misunderstanding of who he is. And here's who he is. Our God in three persons, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a person who dwells in the heart of every believer. You say, how do I know if I'm saved? If day by day you feel convicted more and more, if when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you feel encouraged, if when we worship, something shifts in you and you begin to tingle, amen? Even scholars are like, I feel something and I don't want to. You should. That's an indication, ready? That the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you, which is confirmation that you have inherited eternal life. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wishes to do something through you publicly. I want to tell you that it's not enough for you to hold the Holy Spirit and be like, please don't reveal yourself. Please don't use me. Because Jesus said you would have power and be my witnesses. The whole purpose of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with him is that people might be changed through you. And in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, together, amen? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested upon them. They came together, they came under, and they each were filled with he, the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. And when they spoke, can you imagine how weird that would have been on the first time? Bible says that men and women were walking outside of the doors of the house, the room that they were in, and they, travelers from faraway lands, began to hear their mother tongue spoken and the gospel presented. And in that moment, there was a tangible manifestation of the presence of God amongst people who were interested in the knowledge of God so that people who were far from God would come to know God. And this is your mission. It's not enough to know of him. It's not enough to want the experience. It's that you might be inhabited by him and leave this place to change the world. 
Now, I don't know who you are, and I don't know where you are in your life journey, but this is the day that I'm going to introduce my dear friend, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now, here to four, we haven't done a lot of gift stuff, but get ready, get ready, get ready. We are going to open, usher, and welcome the Holy Spirit to work in and through you however he wants from here on out. I won't stifle it. I won't stop it. I won't hold it back. And I think we might have to break the confidence monitor in Jesus' name. I'm looking for a bunch of people that say church starts at 10. When's it get over? Who cares? You're here today and you've said, I've, I've never had the Holy Spirit like that. I've known of him. I thought it was something I could reach, but living in me, working through me, I want that. That's you today. I want you to stand to your feet and meet me here. Right now in this room, right now, no matter what, I don't want you to hold back and I don't want you to be fearful. I want you to meet me down at this altar. You said, I've known of him. I've studied him. I've, I've heard of him. And I like the sound of him. I love the way that the word talks about his presence, but I don't really know what it feels like for him to be in me. Or you're on the other side and you said, pastor, I've been in those services. I've cried and I've weeped. I've run around. But I guess to be honest, it was more of a show. It was more of an experience for me. And I want to be transformed and I want to be used for him. That's you today. I want to invite you down here. We're going to do something brand new. I'm going to ask Mama Rosa, Chanel, Scott. Would you all come down here? Rose, would you come down? Would you support my friends? Let me have my deacons lined up on the back behind this group. You're here. You said, I don't know about this, Pastor. You better not make me do something. I'm not. But I am going to come to agreement with you today. Teresa, yes, thank you. Thanks, Deacon. Now, Q, thank you, Deacon. I'm going to come to agreement with you today that today he's not just Savior, but he's Lord. Holy Spirit is not just something, but someone. And I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal himself to you and make his presence known through you in a way you've never felt before. Last chance, because I'm going to come down and pray with each of those. We're going to worship. This is you. One more time. There it is. One, two, one more. I, I know this. There it is. Last chance. We're going to pray together one by one. I'm going to touch each one of you and come to a place of agreement with you. This is it. This is tangible feeling of the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The kind of power that you use because he wants to use you. Amen. All right. Let's worship. There it is. Waiting for you all day. Let's pray corporately. Heavenly Father, we love you. And I thank you for each one who came down here today who is saying yes to you. Holy Spirit, we give you 100% complete control in this place. We give you 100% complete control in our hearts. We give you authority over our lives. Fill us from the inside out transform us from the inside out. Make us new and use us that we may be witnesses from this day forward until the end of time. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org to download our Beacon app Text Beacon to 97,000. Once again, text Beacon to 97,000. Whatever you do, 
Please remember to be the light. Let's go. 